want to talk to us about the church today. Because as I sit back and I look at a decade of ministry here, uh, I'm blown away. And I've got a lot of stuff here today. Simplify this message uh, for this third, third service today. Because I really just want to try to work at speaking from my heart today. Um, and just kind of talk about some things that are, are really important. I hope when we leave this service today, it's got all the family vibes. That's, that's the goal today. Just all the family vibes today. And I know for some of us that might be hard because maybe, maybe this is your first time uh, to the well today. And so we just want to welcome you one more time. Can we put our hands together for our first time guests? Um, so we've been dealing with this whole issue of what it means to be a, a spirit-filled people, right? But I want to push it a little bit further today. I want to talk to us about what it looks like to be a spirit-filled church. Show of hands, how many of you would say that something comes to mind when I use those words, spirit-filled church? Show of hands. And, and for some of us, that's a, that's a great term. For others of us, that's a scary term. Because maybe somebody invited you and said, hey, you got to come to my church. It's a, it's a spirit-filled church. And you had some ideas as to what that look was going to look like today. And... What we've been talking about over these past few weeks now is that to be spirit-filled and to be spirit-led is very different than we, than we have, for many of us, than we have an actual understanding of. And so in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to go back there again, verses 16 through to 26, Paul the Apostle writes to the Galatians some very strong words that are important for us to understand, and he says this, I say then walk by the, every shout spirit, spirit. I'll come by every shout spirit. spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the come on every shout flesh. So flesh and spirit conversation here. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Now Paul's going to line out a bunch of things that he says are obvious in our lives when we are living fleshy lives. And this is what he said. He said it's sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. We looked at that last week, this idea that, that the flesh and the battle between flesh and spirit, it works itself out in our bodies. Remember that last week? And then he goes on to say this. This is the area that I want to focus on in just a minute. He says then idolatry and sorcery. We're going to deal with that next week. That's going to be a fun message. <laughs> and this is what I want to look at today. And then he says this. He said hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and just in case we didn't name it for all of us who are like, well, he did say this, anything similar. <laughs> he says, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before, we've talked about this before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So he's going to add to the list now. So as we continue on with our series today, Floodgates, and we celebrate our 10-year anniversary, a decade old as a church. I want to speak to you from this subject today. If you're writing notes, write this at the top of your paper today. A house of fruit. A house of fruit. Here's the question I want to ask us today. Is this church the well? Is it a house of flesh or a house of fruit? It's a big question. 
And that's what we're going to deal with today as it, as it pertains to what it looks like to be a spirit-filled gospel community of faith in Jesus' name. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, and has the ability to transform us from the inside out. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the celebration of 10 years. God, I thank you that your faithfulness is on display today. As I watch these videos, God, I thank you for so many people who have both come and gone, who have put their fingerprints on this gospel work known as the well. And God, I pray that for all of us that, that call this place home, I just pray that this next 10 years, this next decade, that you would pour out such a blessing that we would not be able to contain it, that you would do exceedingly and abundantly above what we could ever ask, hope, or imagine in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted. Yeah. And everybody shouted. Yeah. How many of you agree with me families are weird? Can I get an amen in church today? Yeah. Just, show, just show of hands, like, let's just, like, let's go a little bit further. How many of you would agree families are weird? Okay. How many of you would agree with me your family's weird? Okay. Just got to make sure, because some of you didn't raise your hands. You're like, not my family. We are the epitome of normal. No, you're not. You're strange. We're all strange. Can we admit it? Uh, houses, houses are funny. I, I was, uh, yesterday... Um, yesterday was a day in our house. It was a day. It was Saturday, it's our Sabbath, and I'd like to report to you that on Sabbath Saturdays in the parish household, that everything is tranquil, there's no attitudes, that our kids do exactly what we want them to do when we ask them to do it, because come on, they're pastor's kids. I'd like to report to you that, that everything is just a smooth running machine at Sabbath Saturday at the parish household. It was not. It was a machine, <laughs> but it wasn't smooth running. We had attitudes and we had temper tantrums and we had people not obeying rules and boundaries and we, we were frustrated at each other in different moments because I have calendaring issues and come on. <laughs> Families are strange. We're, we're weird. And I bet you if you were to come into my house on, on Friday evening all the way through to Saturday just to be a fly on the wall, you, you would, you would, you would kind of start to process, like, is this family life, <laughs> right? Is this how it goes? And, and, and families are strange because we have nomenclature and things that we say and things that we do that, that don't make sense to other families. And, and I use it as an illustration to let you know this, is that not only are our families strange, but the church is strange. It's weird at times. What other family do you come into? And when you come in here, somebody is supposed to read scripture but doesn't because they were partying in the lobby. <laughs> I got Yeah, I got you. <laughs> what, what, other, what other home do you come to and everybody claps? During the music, and, and what other house do you come to where everybody lifts their hands and, and is singing? And, and what other house do you, you see what I'm talking about? What other house do you go to and people pray for miracles? What other house do you go to that has people from different political parties? What other house do you go to? And there's different skin colors. 
Come on. We're going to get everybody today. It'll be, we'll get there. What, what other house do you go to when you, you zero to 90 years old? What other, what other house do you go to where the 15-year-old says, turn it down, and the 90-year-old says, turn it up. Let's go. Come on. I love you, Helen. <laughs> 83. 83, not 90. What other house do you go to where the Bible says that you're not to be fleshy, but you're to be full of fruit? See what I'm talking about? Families are, families are weird. And while this is a large family, there's some things that the Bible's very clear on, especially where it comes to being a spirit-filled house. And Paul warns us in Galatians, he says, hey, listen, this is what you need to understand, is that how you conduct yourself in God's house is going to have great implications. If it's a house of flesh, it's going to look a certain way. And if it's a house of fruit, it's going to look a different way. And so this section of Scripture, when he lines out some of these things, he's talking about the violations of brotherly love or sins of animosity. To be a community of faith, we have to figure out what it looks like to be a body that's constantly working to be a fruit-producing, spirit-filled body. Now, today I'm not talking about the Big C Church. We love the idea of the Big C Church, don't we? We love the idea because it's very utopian in nature to talk about, you know, I'm, I, you know I don't really care about the local church. I'm, I'm a Big C, capital C Church. Now, that's fine and great, but the problem is, is that we're not having to work anything out with the church in Italy right now. Come on, how many of you know you don't need to extend grace to somebody in the Netherlands right now? but you may be struggling with your neighbor. You see what I'm talking about? Here's why we love the Big C Church. And like I said, it's our 10th birthday, but I'm still gonna try to press some things. Here's why we love the Big C Church, because we are distant from some of the things that we have to work out in a gospel community of locale. So we can say, I love the Big C Church. Well, of course, because we don't have to work out bitterness. We don't have to work out frustration. We don't have to sit next to a neighbor I potentially disagree with on something. Right. Am I talking to anybody in church today? Yeah. And so if we're going to just look at Scripture, we've got to make sure that we don't skip this part. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14, this is what it says. For just as the body is one and has many parts, all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized, come on, by one spirit. Yeah into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. Now, Paul's going to go on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 to 31, and he's going to say this. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. And then he asks these questions. He says, are all prophets? These are rhetorical. Are all, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. Now, Paul then launches into one of the most beautiful pieces of scripture captured for every bride who's ever been married. 
I call it the love chapter. How many of you have heard this before? 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Every bride loves it. But guess what? It wasn't written to a bride. It was written to a church. Actually, let's reverse that. It was written to a bride. Yeah. It was written to the bride of Christ. So he's going to say, hey, listen, all of, like, you, can, you can desire these gifts. You can see all of these gifts in, in, in church. You know what the interesting thing is, is that we want to have more conversations about tongues than we want to do about forgiveness. So he's like, eagerly desire the gifts, but let me show you a better way. And then he's going to get to the back end of the chapter, and he's going to say, and these th- three things are in, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And what is love? It is a fruit of the Spirit. And I want us to understand today that for some of us, we're clamoring for the manifestation of certain things from the Spirit, but we don't desire love. And what we see from Paul's writing is that the Spirit's involvement in this interconnectedness and relatability is vitally important. I want to venture out on a limb and say this today, that if the church is going to be who the church is supposed to be in this next century, in in this cultural moment, we have got to get this stuff right. We have got to desire to be a fruit-built church, not a flesh-built church. Dallas Willard would say this in his book, The Renovation of the Heart, the secret of all life-giving relation to others and all that is social lies in the fact that the primary other for a human being, whether they want it or not, is always God. In other words, our ability to love each other well, our ability to interact well, our ability to be interconnected, our ability to do life together comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that is God's presence and spirit in our, involved in our life. Someone shout fruit. It's fruit. I love talking about the church. I'm passionate about the church if you haven't figured that out yet. Not just our church. I'm passionate about other local churches. We got friends who are passionate about their church. We're passionate about Courageous Church. Which, by the way, if the well is not for you, (laughs) these guys right here (laughs) are absolutely amazing. (laughs) Just saying. We often say that around here. So what messes it up? What causes the breakdown in relationship within our lives, within a a community of faith? In his book, once again, Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard would write this. Sin structures embedded deeply in our souls and bodies have almost totally disabled us from those relationships to others that our hearts desire and that we were meant by God to be in. So, me and Devon. I love Devon. Devon, Devon's my, my bro. I remember chasing Devon out of this building six years ago. Him and his sister showed up. All the story said, I said, this is a fan. And they were like leaving. They, they were trying to sneak out. And I was like, uh-uh, not on my watch. And so I ran out the door and I chased them down. And here they are today. My, my friend, my brother, we walk alongside of each other in this beautiful disaster known as ministry. And, but how many of you would agree, Devon and I are not the same. We come from different backgrounds, different backdrops. We have different ways of thinking. We see things differently. But here, here's the beautiful thing. In all of our difference, we got to get this, guys. In all of our difference, it's not the difference. 
that causes disunity between us. It's the inward dwelling flesh that does. See, what we've done is we've covered up, we're like, well, they're a different personality. That doesn't matter. God knew what he was doing. He didn't say, I want the church to have the same personality. Not everything is a toe, praise the Lord. (laughs) Right? So he's like, you and Devon, your your basis of connectedness is not because you have the same personality and like the same things and look the same way. The, The basis of your connectedness is the spirit. That's where love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's how we stay connected. But oh boy, watch out. If our flesh creeps up one day, that'll start. Why? The sin inside of me starts to distangle that which has been unified by the Spirit. I just want us to know and understand today, any attempt that we make to be connected with one another happens only by spirit enablement. And the flesh busts it up. That's why he goes back. Like, listen to the list. It's gross. <laughs> Hatreds. Strife. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambitions. Dissensions. Factions. Envy. Drunkenness. Right here, he was talking about corporate partying. carousing, and just so you know, anything similar. Notice he didn't say it's your personalities that cause difference. And Notice he, he doesn't say socioeconomic background. Notice he doesn't say skin color. Can we talk in church today? No, notice he doesn't say age, culture. Think about the things that we blame disunity on right now. He doesn't say any one of those things. He says, actually, you really want to know what's going on? You got some hatred going on. You got, you got some strife going on. You got, the reason you can't get into relationship with that person is because you're actually jealous of them. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambitions. Dissensions, factions. You're creating these little parties that don't like that party over there. You're trying to create political parties within a kingdom that has a king. I'm warning you about these things. Am I talking to anybody in church today? Because, here's here's the thing. We all desire to be a part of an amazing church. How how many of you would say that... um, for the most part, when we talk about certain things that people could be, it sounds very utopian and almost really hard to see realized, right? Like even just talking about love, to, to love each other. How many of you be like, man, that's, that's a big ask, right? Like, are you like the person next to me? Let me love them or, or, or three rows down? Like, how are we doing? All of us are connected in here. Everybody look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm connected to you. Come on. See, even some of you are struggling with that right now. Turn back to your other neighbor and say, great. (laughs) So how many of you agree with me right now? Church is a weird family. But the family is possible where there is fruit. Come on, I said the family is possible where there is fruit. Me and Kent over here, I love Kent. 
Love the accent. Sorry, I'm in the dark, guys. And Kent and I may have a disagreement one day, maybe frustrated with each other one day. And the question is going to be, is it flesh or fruit? Right? Carla may be like, man, that joke that you cracked in the second service, it offended me. And I'm like, I know it was a horrible joke. Flesh or fruit? Can we just get practical? Like, think about the things that break it down sometimes. And the, the service was really, these are the things. The service was really loud. Devon's voice was way up here. <laughs> Flesh or fruit? Pastor Kaisa, she, she walked past me in the lobby, didn't say hi. I know. Because <laughs> she's so amazing. But she might do it. She might walk right past you because she couldn't see you. <laughs> Simple as that. You know, you see what I'm saying? Think about the things. Can we go back to the list, guys? Like I said, just different than all the other services. Go back to the list in Galatians. Look at that's just, This is where hatreds and strife and, and, and jealousy. Some of you got frustrated coming in here because there was a truckload of people leaving. You're bumping shoulders and trying to get in here and little kid with cupcake got on your jeans. <laughs> yeah, right? You're like, I'm going to kill that kid. <laughs> it's not the big things that rip bodies of faith apart. It's just the unfruity things. It's the fleshy stuff. Am I, am I talking to anybody in church today? So here's what we need. Let's just quickly, a couple different things that I want to grab a hold of right now. Um, We've got to strive after being a fruit-bearing church. Here's the first thing that we need, to, we need to consider, is that there must be a vision in each of us. There must be a vision for wholeness in each individual. There must be a vision for wholeness in each individual. Devon has to desire wholeness. Howie has to desire wholeness. Come on. My friend Colin has to desire wholeness. Stephen has to desire wholeness. Why? Because we don't complete each other. Contrary to Jerry Maguire's theology. We don't complete each other. There's only one who completes. That's God. He puts us in. The only way that we find wholeness is in Christ. Why? Because he fashioned us so only he can complete us. Right? So here's what happened. Things get fleshy when you try to use people to complete you. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Erica doesn't complete me. I don't complete her. It's not two halves coming together to make a whole. It's two people who have the desire for wholeness to be found in Christ coming together. Right? So the church bears fruit. The church is fruit in nature. It's being built by, by fruited ways when we are desiring to be whole in Christ. I'm trying to aim us in the direction of St. Church. If we're going to be the local community gospel of faith that God has called us to be, you and I both need to desire wholeness in ourselves. we got to do the hard work of getting whole. Now listen to what Colossians chapter 2 says. Verses 6 through 10. Is this all right with everybody today? So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him, 
being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. I love that part. And then he says, be careful. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Listen to this. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and every authority. We have to desire wholeness. And the more that we desire wholeness, the greater we are at working that out together. See, Devon and I, we, we don't complete each other, but we lock arms and we go, hey, we're on a mission for wholeness around here. Man, what would happen if our churches became filled with people who are working together and walking with each other towards wholeness? I know, it's a utopian dream, isn't it? We say these things, it sounds really good on paper, but you don't know. No one said the gospel was easy. It's actually not. The gospel's hard. That's why we have the Spirit. Oh, it's not easy. But when I'm filled by the Spirit of God, come on, and I stir that gift up. And then he starts taking over every, my mind, my will, my, oh, now, now, now I got some fruit. I don't know about you, but I want to be a spirit-filled church. Number two, every shot number two. There's the second thing. There must be a desire in each of us to be, uh, there must be a desire to be known in each individual. Okay, I'm going to say something really offensive to some of us today, okay? Here it is right here. Church was not meant to be a place you hide. It's not, it's not meant, it's not, Luis, not meant to be a place he hides. He's got to be known. He's a good man to be known. Come on. Santi, he doesn't just come in and come out. I'm talking very practical today to try to break down some of the stuff that we build up. And over the past 20, 30 years of church building in the name of, in the name of success, we told people it was okay to come to a body and not be known. Guess what? I know I have a toe. I'm not going to go home and take my shoe off and go like, oh, where did he come from? Now you say, oh, that's impossible around here. It's too big. It's important. This is why we kick against larger church. It's not impossible. Now, maybe I can't know all of you. Maybe Erica can't know all of you, but you four can know each other. And, and you five can know each other. And Devon can't know anybody, but he could know six people. Y'all see what I'm talking about? And the more that we start getting connected, this beautiful thing called harmony starts to take place because we're interconnected and we're known. But here's the thing. We all have the desire to be known. One of the greatest reasons that we don't desire to be known is because we're afraid of hurt. We're afraid to get hurt. How many of you agree with me? We're afraid to be hurt. 
I believe that if we could face our fear of hurt, we would see a greater degree of knownness that we've ever seen before. Because here's the truth, if we can just call it out, you will be hurt in church. You're gonna get hurt. And here's the thing, I've been hurt in church. I've been hurt in this church. You've been, it's, it's, can we talk plainly today? Because I think sometimes we get into conversations like this and we try not to talk plainly about things. We try to like masquerade it and make it look beautiful and it's not. No, 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 newsflash, you're gonna get hurt in church. Here's the question, what do you do with hurt? Fruit or flesh? What, Erica and I, she's hurt me in our marriage. I've hurt her in our marriage, in our relationship. We've done dumb things. We've said dumb things. Come on. But guess what? We're constantly working to go, is this going to be a fruit conversation or a flesh conversation? Is my reaction going to be a flesh reaction or a fruit reaction? Is there going to be some love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or faithfulness, or self-control fruit up in this house? Or is there going to be hatred and strife and bitterness and all of these different things playing out? Look at this. To be known means that we must be people who can overcome and drop from our lives these things. Defensiveness, self-justification, evasiveness, deceit, manipulation. These tactics are the things employed when we do not want to be truly known. Right? Have you ever met the person before and you're like, how's everything going? And they're like, super! Every time. Have you ever met the person who's not like, they're hype all the time. Everything's good all the time. And then you start to wonder like, what planet do you live on? <laughs> you know the people I really, I, I love is when I, can, when I can talk to somebody and go, hey, how's things going? And you're like, honestly, it is a dumpster fire right now. Jesse, how, how, are, how are things going? Are you sure you want to know? Well, I wouldn't have asked. Relationship and unity is not seen how we handle good times only. It's only seen on how we handle the hard times. Unity is not built in ease. Unity is built in contention. I know Erica the way I do. I'm using our, our marriage's analogy. I know Erica the way that we do in the depth that we know each other, not because of cuddle sessions on the couch. Right, right. Those are fun. <laughs> but that's not how I know her. I know her through tears. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. I, I know her heart through some of the most insane times that we've experienced and some of them over the past couple of years. I know her because of pain. I know her because of insecurities. I know, you all see what I'm talking about? And she knows me because of those things, not because we just skip through life. Come on, someone shout, families are weird. I want to read you a section of scripture in just a moment. But here's the third thing. Number three, I reached out number three. Is it all right if it's not as clean today? I'm, I'm ten, yeah, this whole thing's a mess today, so. I, 
I just, I, I want you, like, as your pastor, I want you to hear my heart. That's, that's really what, what this is. I, I don't want it to be fancy. I want you to hear my heart behind this because I look at the world around us, if I can just look into the future and look at what's, what I believe is still coming our way in the world that we live in. Man, man the church has to get some things right. And we, we, don't, we don't get it right by playing nice about it. Like we just got to have a family conversation. So like for all of you in the room today, like just welcome to the family. I'm so glad that you're here. This is like one of those like, like dinner conversations around the table. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you choose slowly and you're just like, what this conversation is. Because here's, what, here's the problem. How is the world going to desire what it is that we have to share if we can't show them different from what they're experiencing in the world? Hey, come to church with me. Like, really? That place where you're as bitter as we are? Hey, hey, why don't you come to this place and, and, and come worship with me? Really? When you hate as many people as I do? Come on, someone shout fruit. Someone shout flesh. Do you hear the heart behind this? We've got to poke into these things. Because Paul is saying, Galatians, guys, you've got to get it straight. There is either spirit-filled church, fruit churches, or there are fleshy churches. Number three, there must be a call for genuineness in each individual. I'm about to read you one of the most insane pieces of scripture that you will ever hear about what the church is supposed to be. Listen to this. Let love be without hypocrisy. This is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through to 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Uh, are you sure? And then he goes to take it further. Take the lead in honoring one another. What would it look like if there was races happening out in the lobby? because people were trying to take the lead in honoring. How he's like, I'm gonna get to him first. No, I am. And I'm gonna chop him at the knees so I can get to him first. <laughs> what, if, what if we were passionate about honor? I'm gonna honor Stephen before he honor. Take the lead. This is, this is Bible, not Jason's words. Bible. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Can we end this list already? <laughs> Share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's schizophrenic. Because <laughs> in one moment you're like, oh, you got a new job, praise the Lord, we're dancing. And then you're over here and you're consoling somebody who just lost the greatest thing in their life. That's the church. That's the, that's the family. That's strange. That's hard. To go from one moment where it's like, how can you do that in a service? How do we clap and be so happy? And, be, and at the same time hear prayer requests of, of cancer reports and, and people losing sons and, and things happening in people's lives. and how can, how can we do that? Because we're being biblical. Do not repay. 
Anyone for evil, give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it's written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Yes, finally. <laughs> right? We like that part right there. Like God's get, get him, God. But verse 20 starts with a but. Is that right if we study the Bible? So trust me with what I'm going to do. But in the meantime, here's what I want you to do. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. Oh, snap. What? <laughs> if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. How many of you would agree with me right now? That list seems impossible. So we should never try. How many of you agree with me? Just because it's impossible or seemingly impossible doesn't mean that we should not try. Here, here's what I hope is said of our church, the well. We cross the finish line of faith and Jesus goes, I don't know if he's actually, this is bad theology probably, just give me this space, okay? Coming in and he's like, you tried, good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. You could have obliterated them on Facebook, but you tried. Come on, somebody. You tried. You could have sent that tweet, that text. You tried. You could have. You could have. But you tried. See, this list creates the standard of what a gospel community of faith looks like as the Holy Spirit forms it. It's an infinite task. It should always be in front of us. And as we continue to be spirit-filled individually and corporately, then we have the ability to see these things happen. This can be a place or a house of in Jesus' mighty name. Number four, here's the last one, Rashad. Number four? Last one. There must be a place or space for redemptive work in each individual. Y'all hear me? There must be a, a, a space or a place for redemptive work for each individual. Because here, here's the truth. I need us to assess this. Here's the truth. When I come to Jesus, we're not made perfect. Would you all agree with me? He just, I wish. Whoop, poof. Perfect. Right? Believe it or not, Dr. Lori is still in redemptive process. Believe it or not. Shouldn't have much left, but she... <laughs> She's awesome. But there's still some spaces. How many of you would acknowledge today, show of hands, let's just put it out there. How many of you would acknowledge today that you are still a work in process? I got two hands. I'll put both of them up. We love the idea of grace until we actually have to exercise it. It's a big vision. And guess what? It's not my vision. It's not my vision. 
Joe, it's not my vision. This vision that we're talking about, it's, it's Jesus' vision for his church. Now, my responsibility and your responsibility, well, this is why we're talking this way. Because we each carry the responsibility to try to start moving in this direction. I, I pray that we could be a church that has space for grace. Now, we don't change doctrine, we don't change theology, we don't mess with the Bible. It creates the standard for that redemptive process, but all oh, we have space and grace for the journey. Because why? We are all works in progress. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. Our redemption is in and through Jesus. Fleshy church or a house of fruit? I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a house of fruit. I want to be, come on, I want to be a part of a house of fruit. A decade. We haven't done everything right. The next decade we won't do everything right. You won't, we won't, I won't, this won't. We're going to change, we're going to transform things. But here's the one thing that I do know is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the fruit that comes from His Spirit, come on somebody, I pray will be fruit that we taste day in and day out. In Jesus' mighty name, come on everybody, shout it. Amen. Mask it about your head and close your eyes with me today. Jesus. You know, I don't know what brought you in here today, but I do know that it's not on accident. And so maybe today you would say, man, I want to know this Jesus that causes us to bear fruit both individually and together corporately. And all of this takes place first and foremost individually in us as we surrender our life to Jesus. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around today, if you or in this place, and you'd be saying right now, man, I need to say yes to this Jesus. I need to say yes to the work, the redemptive work he wants to do in me. Make this your prayer that we're about to pray today. Make it yours. We're all gonna do it together so we don't leave anybody out. But if that's you today and you're saying, man, I wanna say yes to Jesus. Would you pray this prayer with us today? Come on, as loud as you can, all of us together today. Would you all repeat this after me? Everybody say, Jesus. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment, that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. Today, I'm repenting of my ways, and I want to follow your ways. In Jesus' mighty name.